0: God for that. <clears throat> Praise God for that in- indeed. The, uh, but not only did you survive 2020, but you, you seem to have made out through the Christmas season too. Uh, you survived that. that. That's something, because we, we were told from starting around, uh, I don't know, August, we began to be told uh, everywhere we looked that we needed that new 5G telephone uh, we needed that Peloton thing in our living room so we could feel like we were riding a bike across the world. We needed a new Jeep. Uh, I don't know what else you felt like. Maybe a new insurance carrier, uh, a new house, uh, a new spouse. Uh, who knows? It, it was. I mean, we were told we needed all kinds of stuff over this last year, and um, but you made it through. You know, because we needed all that to live, right? But we, but you got maybe you got some of that. But you didn't get it all, and yet, here you are. So congratulations, for sure. That's the good news. Bad news is that today and tomorrow and for the rest of uh, our days, we're going to continue to get messages that what we have isn't enough. So how do we live that way? What what you need in order to live a real life is, is to have that Peloton, is to have that bike is to have that new Jeep, is to have an even bigger air fryer, <laughs> or <laughs> a new pet, especially one from the SPCA, right? <laughs> you know, wherever it is that, that you see the that, uh, the things that are going to make life better, that's just a fact of it. So I want to, while I say congratulations, I also want to tell you, uh, be careful, right? Be careful. So we're back in... Um, we're, we're back in our series of messages from Genesis, and as we begin this, we're in chapter 19. And uh, as you may have already looked ahead, you know it's in chapter 19. It's, today's one of those texts where uh, we're tempted, it's a familiar story, probably to some of us, um, and you may understand my temptation is to, to, to point out, to focus on the sin of others, I mean, they're so obvious in the story. They're so obvious, in fact, that, that, the, that the name of the town became synonymous with the, the, the way sex has always been a source of sin in our lives. And I'm talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. <clears throat> but instead of focusing on the sin of others, I think that we can learn a lot by looking at the lives of those who are the insiders in the story. Part of the family of faith. I think that if we look at Lot and his family, we have a lot we can learn. You and I can probably say, well, I'd never do that when we're thinking of uh, the men of Sodom. But, but they aren't the only ones in the story with real issues. In fact, this chapter is full of people whose lives are lessons for us to learn from. I think we'll see that in, in, in their lives, things that we can identify with in our lives. I really do believe that. And maybe, with God's help, we can avoid falling into those same traps. Then I want to offer you a way to, uh, not just to, to recognize them, but to avoid them. The, to avoid the same things that Lot's family and many of us today really struggle with. So that's where we're at, and that's why I say be careful. Now, you need to know that everyone doesn't come through Christmas or seasons like this Unscathed like we have, seemingly, sometimes we get caught up in, in seasons of life, and we get stuck. I don 't know if you've ever been stuck before in life, but it happens. Today, I want to look at Lot and his family and, and how they got stuck, and, and because I want us to avoid this for 2021. I want us to have a full life in 2021. i 'd encourage you to read the whole chapter on your own. it's an r- amazing story. Um, I want to give you a summary i' I'm, really, I'm not going to read the whole text today because there's a lot there uh, <clears throat> when we were last hearing the story of Genesis uh God had shown up and told Abraham that he was uh, going to judge the sin of so- the people in the plain, Sodom and Gomorrah, because their sin was so offensive to god um, Abraham he bargained with God right you remember the story where he said God if there's only you know he got him got god down if you can find ten righteous people in the town you, you won't wipe them out. Well, there weren't ten. <laughs> so the angels of God went down to destroy the city, of, or the people of the plain, the, the, the towns of the plain, which are Sodom and Gomorrah and all the, the surrounding area. When, they got, when the angels got to Sodom, there was, a, or not Abraham, Lot was at the city gates, at the town gates, and they met them there. He invites the, the, these angels, these men, uh, to, to his home come, come to my house and uh, have dinner, you know. They don't want to, but he won't take no for an answer. He's like some of you all, you know, it won't take no for an answer, and you just they just keep at him, and finally the angels go. Well, when they get to his home, the men of the city show up, and they start beating on Lot's door, saying, let us have those men. We want to rape them and maybe even kill them. Send them out to us. Now, this is the first thing I think we can, we can really learn in this story is, is Lot begins to try to make a deal. He bargains with them. He wants to protect his visitors, these, these strangers in town. But he also wants to keep his, his status in the city. He wants to keep his reputation intact. So he tells the crowd, don't do this. Don't do this. Let me give you my virgin daughters, and you can do with them as you want. Yeah, he actually said that. I mean, when you read it, you're like, no, he did not. But no, he really did. He knows he has to protect the strangers, but but he offers his daughters to them. It it blows my mind. To say Lot has a problem is putting it mildly, right? You and I, we may never do something like that. But, How often do we find ourselves in conflict between pleasing the world and doing what's right? Every day? (laughs) How often do you find yourself struggling with doing what you know you should, or what God calls you to, and not because you don't want to offend? Yeah, me too. Lot should say, no, get out of here, beat it, you know what you're doing is wrong, but he doesn't. Instead, he says, how about my daughters instead? His fear of what his neighbors might think is probably his biggest motivation. Have you ever been torn like that before? I think we all have. You want to tell your neighbor about Jesus, but you worry about what they may think or what they may say or how they may never come over and bring those great cookies or may never uh, come to your party again. Yeah, me too. So the angel tells Lot to go get his family and get out of town. Because they are about to destroy it. He goes to his daughter's home. We're, we're assuming that he must have four daughters, two who are married, two who are at home. Right? Now, that's the only way we can figure it out. And he tells his sons-in-law, and they think he's joking, that God's about to destroy the town. Couldn't be such a thing. So Lot takes his wife and his, his two younger daughters there, or his two daughters there at home. And they leave. They get out of town. The angel tells them as they are leaving to go to the mountains and don't look back. They head off to safety just as they're told. Not really wanting to go to the mountains for sure because that's, you know, that's where they came from in the past. They want to go, don't want to go back there. They were more city folks, right? Um, they don't really like being out there where those people live, right? Some of you may feel that way about Chestertown. Along the way, though, God, God begins to destroy the towns in the valley. He begins to destroy the towns in the valley, and in Lot's wife, we guess she's thinking about all she's given up. She does what the angel told her not to do in verse seventeen. She looks back, thinking, "But what about all of that?" She looks back, and when she does, Scripture tells us that she becomes a, a pillar of salt. She's killed, just like the people of Sodom. Just like the people where her heart was still. You ever look back? You ever look back and, and your heart is still there? I know me and Mr. Preston we were just talking about today that that's, in that relationship with your wife, that that's, part of you is still there, right? Uh, in 2020, 2019. Uh, who can fault him, right? That That's What happens when we love people and, I mean, my dad's birthday was January 2nd and I forgot to think about it, oh, my dad and and my heart was still there when we used to go duck hunting together, right? My heart was still there. Her heart was still there. And now her life ends there in Sodom. We don't know if it was her curiosity about what was happening back there to her, her old friends or maybe she was wondering about all the things that she left back there that were now destroyed, we don't we don't really know. Maybe that new air fryer, <laughs> we don't know. I'm joking about the air fryer, but apparently that was a that was a real thing this year. Um, but yeah, she's part of her is still there. We, Luke nine twenty six tells us not to look back, right? Luke Jesus says, don't ever look back. But we find ourselves doing that often. To what used to be. to what we had and don't have anymore. Her heart wasn't with her husband. Her heart wasn't in obedience to God with her family. Instead, she was longing for what could have been. I think we all do that from time to time. And I don't, I'm not saying this to, to beat ourselves up or to say that you know God's going to kill you for doing that. But I am saying be careful about that. That God has a future and a hope for you, and it's ahead of you. It's, it's forwards, the lives that, that he has put around you to impact. When we see a need, we think we can't help. or We, we, we tend to think, well, we'd have to give up in order to involve ourselves in that. When we hear of doing something different in church Well we used to think Oh no we've never done that before After 2020 we never say we've never done that before Because we've done all kinds of stuff we've never done before I hope we've gotten over that That we don't have to say we've never done that before The story continues on Lot and his daughters They've given up all they have too Even their mom Right They're all that's left the two of them and their dad, they're forced to live in a cave in the mountains. Uh, there was a... Nope, I skipped one. Anyway, in verse 30 to 38, we see them offering up a shortcut. An easy, a quick fix to a problem that they have. You see, we aren't sure what the daughters are thinking, but, but well, we know that one thing, they want to continue the, their name of their family. And so in the story, they, they get dad drunk, and they go in and have sex with dad. One one night, one the next. Yes, yeah, right. Some of you just said, he did what? Yes. They, they got dad drunk and raped him, I guess. I don't know. And, and in order to get pregnant and have children, they decide that that's the best way to happen. Not considering the dishonor they were bringing on their dad, not considering the dishonor they were bringing on those children, actually. And incest wasn't against the law, like, like we think of it, or like the, later in the Old Testament it will be. But they knew it was wrong, hence the reason they had to get him drunk, right? They knew that was not okay to do. But they're desperate. And scripture tells us that in verse 32, that they did it to preserve their family line. Okay, so they had a noble cause. But does... But does every noble cause entitle us to taking any means we want? They completely took unethical means to accomplish something that was a normal desire, a normal longing. Have you ever fallen into that? Ever fallen into wanting something that you feel you that you have to have or you deserve to have or you should have, that's that's good and it's pleasing and yet you're so desperate desperate for it you shortcut in order to get it? I have. I know when I was younger I did some pretty um, regrettable things because I was desperate for relationships love or friendship for uh, approval of others. I did a lot of things that I'm not proud of. A lot of things that um, for attention. But it's not just a problem of the young. The old do it too. In order to, to preserve our status, we won't forgive. We won't, we won't restore relationships. We'll allow them to continue to crumble. We will never humble ourselves because we're, we don't do that. Or we refuse to cry because we don't cry. See, the amazing thing is, is the whole family is caught up in what the Bible calls, well, the way I read it anyway, the whole family is caught up in what the Bible refers to as a love of the world. A love of the world. It's a clear teaching in, in the New Testament. In 1 John, chapter 2, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, three areas where you can see this family struggled comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. It's it's as simple as the, the options, love God or love the world. We have this idea, hey, there's my shortcut text reference. We have this idea that, that we, we have to fight back against the temptations of the world. And that, and that can get really difficult for us. But in reality, we don't have to focus so much on, on the one we're fighting, but instead on the, ones, the one we seek to serve. What do I mean by that? Lot and his family, they struggled because they had separated themselves from a covenant relationship with God. They'd, they'd gone off and left Abraham, right? They left the covenant relationship of Abraham and God, and they'd gone off to live in the city where the wealthy people lived. They'd gotten too wealthy with Abraham, right? There wasn't room for for his livestock with Lot's livestock, along with all the Abrahams, And instead of giving up his wealth, he decided, well, I need to just go somewhere else so I can be me. I got to thinking, what if Lot, had given up his livestock and remained with Abraham? What if he'd heard again and again of the promises of God for Abraham to make him a blessing? What if he'd heard that promise over and over and over again? I think his love for God would have remained. I think his love for the world would have been beaten back. Well, that's what the passage in John 1 tells us, is that, that the more... As we love God more and more, it pushes out the love for the world because there's not room to love the things of the world the more we love God. Now, I'm not talking about the beautiful things of the world. I'm not talking about the things that God has given us to enjoy, a good steak, right, or, a, or, or pleasures. I'm not talking about that, that you can't have nice things. I'm just saying that to love those things, to replace those things, or to place those things in God's place, is sin. It's the love of the world that God says is such a problem. It's what Jesus said in Matthew six twenty four. I believe I have that text here. When he said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, God and wealth. You cannot serve them both. See, one is given in order to be a servant to the other. Wealth is given in order to let it serve God. So you see how that works? Because if you serve money, then you don't have room for God. Money becomes your God. But that, that just keeps us thinking about our wealth, right? But, but Paul in Romans was even stronger. He said in Romans 12, too, he said, Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So again, we find ourselves at a place where the the teaching in Scripture is clear, but living it out is not so easy. It's not so easy. Simple, for sure. It's simple, and, and I want to encourage us that it's not as hard as we make it out to be. Because God has done the hard work for us. That's why I say, congratulations. Congratulations, because God chose you to choose him. He chose you to choose him. What would it mean to choose God above the world in your life? I mean when I asked myself that question, first person I thought about were missionaries who, who you know give up everything to go to far corners of the world to serve God and I guess Kind of like Lot, who probably thought that way. He's given up everything and being forced to go up into the mountains and be around those people. But that's not the only way. The other way is to fill your heart with the love of God right where you are. Right where you are. And and when we fill our hearts with the love of God right where we are, it won't matter where we are. That's the amazing thing about it, is that it doesn't matter where you are. That's why Abraham was able to say, hey, you pick where you want to go, and I'll go the other way. For Abraham, it didn't matter because he loved God and he was going to be with God. So, why would it matter if you had the, the Peloton or the, or the old, you know, the, the, the thrift store model, right? Of the exercise bike? It really wouldn't. If you had the Jeep or something else, it wouldn't matter. The things we have become mean less. It's not that they're meaningless, but they mean less the more we love God. So this year, what I'm asking is that we get to know God a little better. That we, we get to know God more. Jesus, actually. So that's why I've, when you came in today, you got a, uh, a copy of a, a reading plan. It's a reading plan that would require five minutes a day. So I'm asking us to read scripture. You may read devotions of all sorts we give those away too. I'd ask you to maybe put those on somewhere else and read Scripture first. Five minutes a day, five days a week, and reflect on it. That's it. Not ask. Not it's in the it's in the high bar, right? This is accessible to everyone. You can pick up one of the copies here. You can download the app, the Bible app, to your phone, and they have the reading plan in there as well. Uh, it's it's accessible. Get to know Jesus. And what his life, his death, and his resurrection means for you. means for you. And I believe as we experience that, as we read that story again and again this year, you know, normally if you're going to read a book, you don't want somebody to tell you the end of the story. Well, I'm going to tell you the end of the story. Because as you read this book throughout this year, this is going to give it all away. It's going to change your life. It will change your life. What you're going to discover is that because, because you cannot love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and your neighbors, yourself, because you cannot do that, you have no shot at living the life that God requires of you because you can't. But because you can't, God says, if you'll just believe in my son. If you'll trust Him, if you'll follow Him, if you'll love Him, if you'll serve Him, I'll empower you to love God and not the world. God says, I'll do it in you. I'll do it. All you'll have to do is realize that you can't and that you need me. That's what God says. Imagine your life as you got closer to Jesus. I want to give you a, today we're going to do a restart. Traditionally in the Methodist Church, going back to John Wesley, he's had a, uh, the first service of the year. They used to have a watch night service, uh, which was uh, Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve, all night worship service. Uh, and in that, in that they would have a, uh, what's referred to as a, a covenant renewal. And I would like to share that covenant renewal with you today. I've got a modernized version of it. I gave you the prayer. Uh, you got a copy of that. It's on like a half sheet. We're going to pray that prayer as part of the the service, uh, as part of this liturgy, and in that, I would ask you to uh, there's a big blank in the middle. That's a place for you to sign your name. Sign your name and put that somewhere where you'll see that, and you can go back and remember that covenant again and again. Uh, Like Abraham and like the the people of old did to remember those covenants, so We will do that. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for a chance to renew our covenant relationship with you. We love you. Amen. Dearly beloved, the Christian life is found in Christ, redeemed from sin, and consecrated to God. We are those who have entered into this life and have been admitted into a new covenant with Jesus Christ. He's the mediator of this covenant. He sealed it with His own blood so it would last forever. On one side of the covenant stands God who's promised to live, to give us new life in Christ, the author, the perfecter of faith. Every day Jesus proves His goodness and grace to us, showing us that His promise will stand forever. On the other side, we stand as those who promise to no longer live life for the world, but instead to to only live for Jesus Christ because he has loved us and given his life for us. There are times in our lives when it's important for us to remember, to reaffirm our promises and our vows. In the same way we come today to renew our covenant with God, many generations have done this before us. And many will do it after us, but today we make this covenant our own. Renewing with both joy and sincerity the covenant that binds us all to God. So here is a prayer of confession. We are those who seek to live as true disciples of Jesus Christ, but sometimes we fall short. Let us now examine ourselves before God, humbly confessing our sins and submitting our hearts so that we do not deceive ourselves. And cut ourselves away from God. Let us pray. Father God, you have revealed your beauty to us, but we have been blind. You've stretched out your hands to us through our friends, but we passed them by. We've accepted your gifts and offered little thanks. We are unworthy of your unchanging love. We now confess to you our sins. Please forgive us the poverty of our worship. For our selfishness of our prayers. For our inconsistency and unbelief. For the ways we neglect fellowship and your grace. For our hesitation to tell others about Christ. For the ways we deceive others. Would you join me? Forgive us when we waste time and when we misuse the gifts you have given us. Forgive us when we have made excuses for the wrong things we have done and when we have purposely avoided responsibility. Forgive us that we have been unwilling to overcome evil with good and that we have, been, that we have not been ready to carry our cross Forgive us that we have not allowed your love to work through us or to help others and that we have not made their suffering our own. Forgive us for those times when instead of working for unity, we made it hard for others to live with us because of our lack of forgiveness, inconsiderate judgment, and quick criticism. Join me. Forgive us for when we not try to reconcile with others and when we have been slow to seek redemption. Forgive us for these sins that we silently confess to you now. God, the Father of all mercies, is faithful to cleanse us from our sins and restore us to Christ's image. Praise and glory be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us be your servant. That's not me, that's you. So let me start. Let us let us gather here before the Lord. Now in covenant, commit ourselves to Christ as his servants. Let us give ourselves to him so that we may fully belong to him. Jesus Christ has left us with many services to be done. Left you with many tasks. Some of these services are easy and honorable. Some are difficult and disgraceful. Some line up with our desires and interests. Others are contrary to both. In some, we please both Christ and ourselves. But then there are other works where we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. Lord Jesus, we offer you this prayer. Join me. Let me be your servant. Let me follow your commands. I will no longer follow my own desires. I give myself completely to your will. The power and strength to live as true servants is given in Christ. We accept the place and work that he gives us, acknowledging that he alone will be our reward. Join me. I'm no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Put me to work for your sake. Set aside for you. Praise for you. Or criticize for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, O wonderful and holy God, Creator, Redeemer, and sustainer you are mine and i am yours so be it and the covenant which i have made on earth let it also be made in heaven amen christ is our savior to those who are his true servants he's the source of all salvation to those who obey to be his servant is to consent fully to his will Christ accepts nothing less. Christ will be all in all, or he will be nothing. Now confirm this truth in Holy Covenant. Make it a reality in your life in some very distinct ways I invite you to. Spending time alone with God. Affirm this covenant in your life by spending time alone with God. Reflecting on your life. Examining your heart and the sins of it. Naming those sins. And considering His consistent love for you in spite of it. Spend time in in holy awe and reverence of God, marveling at His majesty. Spend time claiming God's promise. Not your strength, His, that He promises to give to all who follow Him. Right? Right? Spend time considering his strength that he gives to all who ask. Affirm this covenant by being determined to be faithful. Determined, making a a willful decision to be faithful one moment at a time. And finally, hold this covenant with an open heart. Allowing it to, to examine you again and again. Again and again. Let us pray together. My righteous God, for the sake of your son Jesus Christ, see me now as I fall down before you. Forgive my unfaithfulness when I have not done your will. You promise mercy if I turn to you with my whole heart. God requires that you rid yourself of every idol in your life. From the bottom of my heart, I hear and now renounce every idol in my life, coveting with you that I will not commit any known sin. By turning against your will, will I have turned my love toward the world. In your power, I will watch for any temptation that will lead me away from you. Through Jesus Christ, God offers to be your God again if you allow him to be. Join me before all heaven and earth. I here and now acknowledge you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as my Lord and God. I vow to give all myself, body, soul, to be your servant, to serve you in holiness and righteousness all the days of my life. Jesus Christ is the only way and means God has given us as the way and means to salvation. Join me. Jesus, I here and now accept you and the only new and living way. I join myself in covenant with you. I come to you hungry, sinful, miserable, blind, and naked, unworthy even to wash the feet of your servants with all my power. Well, I'm sorry, get ahead of you. With all my power, I accept you as my Lord and head. I renounce my own unworthiness and vow that you are the Lord, my righteousness. I renounce my own wisdom and take you for my only God. I renounce my own will and take your will as my law. Christ has told you that you must suffer with him. Jesus, here and now, make this covenant with you and accept whatever comes in life. Through your grace, I promise that neither life nor death will separate me from you. Amen. Amen. God has given holy laws as the rule of your life. I here and now willingly take on your yoke and burden. All your laws are holy. Just and good. I accept them as the rule for my life, thoughts, and actions, promising I will strive to order my whole life around your direction. I will not allow myself to neglect anything I know to be my duty. The Holy Almighty God searches and knows even the thoughts of your heart. O oh God, You know that we have made this covenant today in sincerity without deceit or reluctance. If you find anything false in us, guide us and help us to set it right. And now, glory be to you, God the Father, from this day forward. I shall look upon you as my God and Father. Glory be to you. Oh, did did I mess you up? I did, didn't I? Glory be to you. God the Son, you have loved me and washed me from my sins in your own blood. From this day forward, I shall look upon you as my Savior and Redeemer. Glory be to you, O God, the Holy Spirit. By your almighty power, you have turned my heart from sin to God. From this day forward, I shall look upon you as my Comforter and God. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have now become my covenant friend, and I, through your infinite grace, have become your covenant servant. You are mine, I am yours, so be it. May this covenant that I have made on earth be ratified in heaven. Amen. Amen. I know those words are probably heavy, strong even I just want to encourage you that uh, that renewal is, is powerful for a reason it's, uh, it's a spiritual power that we tap into and now we want to share in Holy Communion together kind of close this covenant uh, in Communion Bill's going to pass out the elements to us at, um, here in just a moment but first we're going to do the liturgy, and then he'll pass them out, and we'll sing, and then we'll take the elements together, all right? Uh, where are we? I don't know where we're at here. dun dun dun, dun, dun.